0: Welcome to The Travelling Senorita, episode 167. Today, I've crossed the border to the Gold Coast. I'm back in my old roots in Corumban. And I have such a, I wouldn't say love-hate relationship with... I have a love, love. There was a little bit of you know, stuff that I did here way back 20 something years ago called the Swell Sculpture Festival that is always still very much embedded in my heart and I think of my children when they were young and how much time we spent cruising the beaches and the streets of Kurumban to the point that we built a house up on a hill and didn't know much about this place and I used to walk through an industrial estate to get to the beach and often think, where is a latte? Where is somewhere I can visit on the way to the beach of Currumbin? Well, fast forward and this industrial estate area on Currumbin Creek Road has now turned into what I would call a cultural Mecca, starting at places like Dust Temple, heading right into um, Japanese restaurants, cafes. I'm not doing it a lot of credit here because I'm actually sitting today in one of the newest ones, which is super exciting called Bread Social. We all know Bread Social from Byron Bay, into Tweed and now into Corumban. And they are calling this place home and it's off Villiers Drive in the industrial estate. And so I found it last week and I followed my nose to the supersized Portuguese tarts. And then I ran into some old mates, the Baker boys who I love here. And I thought, Sammy, you and I need to do a podcast about how and why you open Corumban. But before we do that, I want to introduce you to a bloody legend from Northern New South Wales, who's now in Currumbin, Sammy Salwick. Hello, Sammy. Thanks for coming, mate. So nice to have you here. I've always wanted to chat with you because you are an intriguing young man who not just has opened one of the best businesses this region has seen, it's also something about your nature um, as a Byron Bay boy that has always intrigued me. You've got this really authentic way to you. Can we start where you grew up?
1: Yeah, look, I grew up in the um, in the Byron Shire in the early 80s, 90s and 2000s. Um, my parents were restauranteurs back in that time. Obviously, it was a different era, but they had the beach cafe on Clark's Beach for a number of years in the late 80s, 90s and 2000s. And um, what was known as the Orient back then, which is now where the balcony is. So it's um, certainly in the blood. Um, I was adopted to to the Byron Shire and the Northern Rivers. Parents were hippies living out the back of Tyranny Creek, part of the whole Protesters Falls movement. Um, And then we (laughs) moved out to the coast when I was quite young um, and stayed there ever since until sort of, you know, similar to yourself, caught a bit of a travel bug and traveled around for a bit. And then, um, you know, young families and kids on the way, met my lovely partner in Sydney and um, moved back with my business partners to create The Bread Social.
0: So you're brushing over a whole lot of uh, chronological time there. Let me just take you back to a young Sammy. Firstly, your heritage, where you're from, uh, where your parents are from, and and what gives you that beautiful multiculturalism look that you're sporting today. Um, Full blooded Colombian. So
1: yeah, I was adopted. Parents had tried um, unsuccessfully, like a lot, I guess, in that no, cut from that mold to um, to have kids and couldn't do so. And so the story goes. Um, they waited for me for some time. Mum came to pick me up from a, an orphanage in Bogota and um, came back to the, to the north coast. And from there, 18 months later, my sister was born. So as they say, in a lot of those types of situations, the love of that first adoptive child allowed a, a biological sister and a brother to fall afterwards. So, yeah, it's... Um, I've, I've always been told that I was adopted and always been made to feel special around that, but certainly, um, you know, there's some there's some cultural um, mainstays in, in our Spanish personalities that stay. Ooh. We've been discussing that earlier today that, um, <laughs> that kind of. What,
0: do we say so fiery? <laughs> yeah.
1: Most certainly fiery. Um, hopefully, we get a lid on that as we get older and we get a little wiser, but yeah, it also. Clearly, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it also creates passion, you know, and passion for me around um, all things food, uh, coffee to begin with was kind of where I sort of fell into hospitality. Uh, and How then, much sense does
0: that make?
1: I know. I Seriously? Know, I know. And, and look, I mean, for me... Um, that's you know that hospital. I am old school hospitality, and you know we share a few um, common friends um, that I I like to think are cut from that mold. And that's not to discredit you know some of the new new go getters out there, but that old school you know warm hospitable you know industry that it should be that welcoming feeling when you you know when you cross into someone's home um, or business is is something that's really important to me.
0: And do you think that's what um, your mum and dad? taught you as a young Sammy, like when he knocks off school, he went to the cafe to wait for mum and dad to finish work. What were you watching? What did you observe as a young boy? Look,
1: we were pre- they were they were pretty, um, you know, they didn't have a lot of money growing, we didn't have a lot of money growing up and they'd really, you know, thrown everything they had at the beach cafe and um, I distinctly remember, you know, being that young kid that was, you know, heckling the chef, untying the apron, you know, like I was, that little at the time that I was, you know, affectionately put in a box of vegetables and propped up by <laughs> carrots and zucchinis while mum and dad were cooking in the kitchen. Um,
0: was mum and dad either a chef?
1: No, they'd had a plethora of, of different jobs and um, I think they just fell into it, you know. They'd bought the beach cafe back then um, for five dollars, well, rented it for five dollars a week off, you know, it's on Crown land, so from local, local council. And, and outside of that, you know, they'd um, they'd really just kind of had a crack and, um, you know, that hungry um, necessity that we all have to have in business to survive now more than ever, I think, really held them in good stead to a point when they did actually get their experience and skills up and learn to, to run restaurants and cafes. Is the, how long did they
0: have that one
1: for? Beach Cafe was 21 years. Really? Yeah, so a really large portion of my life was spent there.
0: Did they
1: retire after that? Dad passed away two weeks after closing the beach cafe, which was, um, look, it was a stressful time for him. Um, You know, it was a tender process, you know, to take over the beach cafe. So uh, they were going through a new tender process and he was hopefully wanting to retain the retain the site. You know, they went through a separation. Um, You know, they were still great friends right up until him passing away. How long was Dad when he passed? He was young, 62, Mm. you know, and that... some
0: good lessons in there for you, hey? That
1: stays with me, you know, it really does. And it stays, I'm lucky enough, I'm sure we'll talk about it soon, but to to Mm. share a partnership with two other business partners who also believe really strongly in, you know, in supporting each other, but maintaining that work-life balance. We all talk about it, but you know, who's actually doing it. And for me, you know, I like to think, you know, even with the project, um, you know, in Corumbin that we have going on at the moment, if the old man's watching from up there, he's, I hope I'm doing him proud. And he's thinking, you know, there's there's got to be an exit strategy here where Sam gets to a point where he's, um, you know, mixing up the fishing and the surfing and, you know, and the business of making bread.
0: Can I ask you
1: how old you are? I'm 41, almost 42. You're young apparently people keep telling me that i'm not feeling you know what
0: no that's bullshit you're not um i'm joking no it's interesting age is age is just a stage really because you know i'm early 50s and i kind of think when i hit 40 your age i thought that was getting older and it's relative because your kids are growing up you've got business experience so yes you are heading into that other stage of your life where you have Uh, you know, the work-life balance is super important and you are making that happen. So I want to talk about the boys, the three of you. Um, Thank you for sharing your heritage with me and um, your mum and dad's experience in Byron Bay byron bay before i leave there is a place that you have grown up and loved all your life and now run businesses there what what do i just want to ask you how do you see the future of byron i mean i get a little bit perturbed by the the media's bash up of it because i still go to byron and really love it i live up the road i enjoy my time at byron i never have a bad time in byron bay um, because i really understand the authentic nature of it and the indigenous land that we stand Um, doesn't matter what the media says. But I do get a little bit tired of, you know, some of the beat-up. Can I just ask you a little bit about that yourself as a local?
1: I think it's really interesting that you brought up, you know, the Indigenous aspect that land has always been traditionally a place of healing mm-hmm. uh, and a pr- place of creativity. And I think, you know, if I'm honest, I went through a time probably like a lot of long-standing locals where um, we felt there was a little bit of a grip being lost on that old-school you know, local community-based feeling that the town once had. Um, I guess I've gone through a number of different feelings around the Byron Shire and, you know, I pay total respect to the fact that, you know, my business thrives on the tourism and and the local cafes down there doing a busy trade. So, you know, I I, I tread carefully here. But what I would also say is that... um, that negativity that perhaps has crept in for me at times around like oh you know it wasn't like that in the back in the day and you know we didn't used to have to fight for surf spots and waves and car parking spots and you know be that change that you that you are hoping to champion in your community so yes at times i've been um really put off by the direction of the town. But now I think I'm at peace with it. Mm. We moved back, I met my partner in Sydney and we had young kids when we'd sort of moved back to start the Bread Social almost 10 years ago. And um, it was actually my partner, we were living in Lillipilly at the time. And she said, look, why don't we move over towards South Golden Ocean Shores? And back then we didn't go over to Open Source, as it was known. (laughs) Um, And so, We did, and we have, and and I love that area, and it reminds me of growing up in in the Suffolk Park area of Byron. But what I would say to some of those older, long-standing friends of mine that are perhaps still stuck in that negativity around the Byron Shire is be the change that you're hoping to see. You know, if that was the way it was before, stopping to help the neighbour with the flat tyre or helping the elderly person across the street where they're shopping or the neighbour, go and do it. And set that tone and set that example to the new people moving to the Shire. Um, I think that, you know, change and um growth in that area are coming but that's not unique to that area of the coastline it's happening everywhere
0: absolutely and you know you, um, a friend of mine a mutual friend actually craig tansley who grew up there he said to me he what he's in kerumbin now and he said it's so funny because he goes there and he actually almost gets a little bit of humor because he sees people that have been there for five years pissed off at the person that's been there for two years or the person that's been there for <laughs> one year and i always just think hey dudes are all just passing through so it's not even like a 20-year um, attitude or I don't know. I the sixty thousand year attitude. Of course. So it's, 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 it's he finds it funny. He doesn't get he doesn't get um, upset by it, even though he's a bar and local. And that's
1: a good way to look at it, you yeah. know. And if we And can... so if you
0: did what you just said, be the change you want to be, then you could teach that five year one that's grumpy at the two year one that we're all just passing through on this beautiful of indigenous and land. Of course, we should be doing that in the water, you
1: know. You know, whether it's in the water or for the car parking spot or whatever it might be, if we are managing to. To take that deep breath, you in, know, I'm into an advocate of a bit of deep breathing. I think it's it's a good tool that we can all use at times. And
0: you know what we can do, Sammy, is teach our children that way. And I've done that myself um, with my, our own boys who go to Cabarita surfing sometimes because we live at Kingscliff and they might get, you know, told to get out of there and get off the wave and whatever. And I've just taught them how to navigate that. And...
1: Well, I think surfers, are, you know, they're, a, they're an interesting group unto themselves because. Traditionally, we're greedy by nature. We want the waves and we want more than our fair share of them, but we're also nomadic by nature. And so um, I challenge those locals, you know, sitting on the point at the pass uh, to not think about perhaps those times in their lives when they have put the boards on the roof and driven an hour or two south or north. Are we not all held to that same type of etiquette? And when you get to that spot that's not your home break, are you hoping that those people do adhere to some kind of surfing etiquette in the water, and it's just, the same can be said for how you conduct yourself in the community?
0: But isn't it like a level down of just being in the water and being namaste anyway, and being calm? Hundred <laughs> well, percent. I must have missed that point because when I see the <laughs> when I see the gnarly shit, I'm like, what? I yeah. know you guys are meant to be having fun, man. <laughs> Anywho, moving right along, I want to talk about the three baker boys. Um, I'll firstly, when I when I first met you sammy we have a, a mutual friend sazi who's also been on the podcast um an absolute star chef person friend yeah and she introduced me to you and i straight away was just i, was just, I mean all three of you are, are stunning the the boys you're in business with stunning human beings but there was something about you and i was like i know he's got that fiery traveling spirit mm. and i just got back from sri lanka and you were just going and we were sort of you know, chewing the fat on Sri Lanka. So tell me about the traveling side of Sammy. What does he love about going to other
1: cultures? Well, again, we were talking about this earlier in that um, I need food. Food is obviously my trade, but it connects us us all. And so, you know, I'm sure you're very similar to me. If I'm off traveling somewhere, I spent a lot of time, you know, a lot of time in Indonesia and the South Pacific and those kinds of places. Obviously, first and foremost, surfing is, is a big reason um, for a part of my travel, but secondly, it's food, and not to go and find the shiniest new restaurant in those kinds of um, circumstances and those kinds of experiences. It's to find the local dingy spot that might be, you know, 20 baht to, you know, to, to purchase something. I think to me, that's that's the experience that I'm looking for in Sri Lanka. I'm sure you'd agree was really that for us Ooh. and our family.
0: Three kids too. Really. We took all
1: the kids, we had two at the time. Mm. Um, I oh, don't you know if Maddie was pregnant. One I think before. we did. <laughs> um, and there, you know, that's a testament to how relaxed and um, mm. and how beautiful a time we had there. You know, mm. we really met some people. I'd share with you a story in Sri Lanka. I met this guy, mm. we were staying in Aragon Bay, and the surf was just absolutely phenomenal. And there's quite an eclectic group of people, you know, in the water. Um, but I met this guy, and he ended up sort of being the tuk-tuk driver and he'd you know, take me to and from the surf and whatnot. And he, in terms of appearance, like obviously, as we said, like I'm adopted, my father um, and mother were both Anglo and you know, didn't bear much of a resemblance at all. But if I had had a father that looked like me, it was this man. Yeah. And um, you know, mind you, this is after my father passed away. And for whatever reason, we just really connected to the point that I didn't realise how much of a local celebrity in terms of surfing he was. Um, And he came out surfing with me one day and I didn't clock it until we paddled out in the water and every local in the water was just up in arms that this guy, had paddled out in in the water. And to them, he hadn't surfed in years and years and to me, he'd obviously decided that, you know, for whatever reason, our connection was worth him you know dusting off the surfboard throwing a leggy on took, and took and he and he came but his yeah. um His reputation around surfing in that community kind of far surpassed anything I'd seen before and it was it was it was really it was really emotional for me you know Mm -hmm. and saying goodbye to him I cried and and I cried not really no and I mean I've always promised I'd go back and I fully intend to and
0: you'll find him
1: I will and I I hadn't it probably hasn't Mm -hmm. been until talking about it with you now that I realized what it was that really affected me about spending that time with him, we were there for a bit over a month, and um, it was obviously because he reminded me of parts of what I would have assumed my father would have looked like. Wow. Um, and certainly his nature was very gentle um, and, and super warm obviously to be to be so open with us about his beautiful beautiful land. but um, yeah, that's, that's it kind of only dawned that on your me now.
0: Father had passed.
1: He'd passed a few years before and um, beautiful role model, you know, he sort of couldn't have asked for any more in a father, but, mm. um, you know, I'm sure as for a lot of adopted people, um, I've always missed that sense of connection based on appearance and and as you know, personality and some of that cultural stuff that's just ingrained in us, mm. we, we don't find, you know, often in those kinds of um, relationships. Yeah, but
0: that's what I love about travel too though, Sammy, like that moment in time that you shared with him, is just something you'll remember forever. And him, you got him surfing again. But as
1: you know, like you would have been through that, I'm sure with your kids too. I'm sure they've traveled quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And it's also about those children seeing other parts of the world. In that, like my kids, you know, I don't spoil my children. I I do expect them to, you know, to pitch in and work, because that's Mm -hmm. what was kind of taught to me, Um, around the house or in the shops. They all, you know, know that's how they'll get their pocket money out. Love it, love it. Um, But as you know, it's important for them to go and see you know, but watch I'm, what
0: you wish for because I've got two children living overseas now yeah. and so next month I had a little, I first up I had a little cry before because every time I mention Will going which is um, in, I just changed my language. I said that I'm losing Will and I'm not losing Will. He's gaining experience and I get to hang out with him and I'll have our only children will be living overseas um, together in the next in the next month and yeah. um, I'm super excited for them and it's everything I ever wanted. Yeah. But I've just never been a mother of that. I've been the traveller but not the mother.
1: Well now I guess you can <laughs> tap into their experiences or you'll have more of an excuse to go overseas.
0: Yes. Well they're in Canada so that's a good thing. Now other, another thing that I loved about um, when I come to Red Social and I pop into Tweed or Byron, I know that it's... It, it's it's running well from the top the fish rots from the head down and you guys are the opposite to that there is three boys at the top men at the top of this business and i just know that you did each other i, I, I stalk your instagram and see you when you when you're out and about doing your recies, and you're just really good mates and good blokes you, you're young fathers and i can see that you support each other i'm really interested today for you to describe a successful partnership something that i assume you thought was just natural but we've worked out that about 10 percent of partnerships actually do sustain mm. so what do you think it is about you three guys that makes it work and i
1: think successful? one thing that really stuck um for me you know my other partners obviously tom um tommy scott and and paul giddings you know they're both supremely talented um, in their own rights as as bakers and pastry chefs and, and men, and certainly as business partners. Um, but it was something that Daz from the Ducks, Darren Robinson said to me when we first started, his close personal friend and somebody I really respect. He said, Look, with business partnerships, pick your battles, you don't get to win them all. And it's so true, oh, in too, that yeah. um, for Tom and Paul and I, um, you know, I pride myself on on having that give and take, respecting each other's boundaries. Look, we've got really different skill sets. And so the areas of the business that each of us are responsible for, I think is, is why there's success in that business partnership and success for the company. You know, I don't, I don't step on Tommy's toes and similarly, he doesn't step on mine or Paulie's and we really champion each other in that, um, in that relationship with the business and how we interact with each other. There's always, always respect there um we pride ourselves on the fact that we've never raised our voice at one another we've never sworn at one another and you know probably to our own detriment in the fact that we over communicate we spend hours and hours on the but phone Can you
0: over-communicate?
1: i don't believe so you know and and look people affectionately the staff affectionately um, refer to us as the brake, the accelerator, and the clutch, and I'll leave you to figure out which is which. <laughs> um, however, we need all of those things to drive the vehicle. And um, is Tommy the clutch? Tommy's the accelerator. You know, Tommy. Tommy's the excited puppy, and I mean that with the utmost love and respect. You know, he's. Um, we were actually talking with a with a, a business mentor recently and he was talking about all this visionary stuff and Tommy and I both sort of locked eyes and just kind of laughed because I could see that whole realm of that visionary R&D, you know, chop and change and where are we going? They all fall under his realm of things. And, and Paul's, you know, we're all a very similar age, but Paul possesses a... A bit of a dad maturity that, um, you know, that really helps probably to slow Tommy and I down. And sometimes I think I tend to sit somewhere in the middle of that in, in terms think, of the I mean, partnership. And I
0: don't think... too. Like, someone can be the clutch one day and someone's the break, and someone's 100%. accelerating. 100%. It's know. such a
1: large part of having a business partnership for me in that we're allowed mm-hmm. to... And we, you know, we champion that amongst our... the upper management staff. You're allowed to have off days. We're not expecting it, as you know, especially front of house, you know, mm-hmm. so often, often that... Fulfillment and that atmosphere that you create for a customer is an act and we all go through those moments when we're feeling it and when we're not and being able to pick your mate up and be there and all communicate hey I'm having a rough time at home or I'm not sleeping because the kids are keeping me up or the dog's been barking or whatever it is and then allowing that other person to step into your space mm. and kind of step back so that they can. It's healthy. it's super important. I've
0: met so many people that have either still worked with you or have worked with you in the past, and I have never heard a bad word said about either any of you boys which is a real testament to you, because things Thanks. can get really heated in the kitchen, as you know. For sure. Um, so do you think having that foundation of all of you working as bakers, you work together as bakers?
1: We started, the three of us, yeah, three. And whereabouts? Three of us started, well, the boys. Um, Paul and I met at um, a company called Central Baking Depot, um, which was a sister company to Burke Bourke Street Bakery, um, run by a close personal friend, Jason Warwick. Uh, and Paul had been the head baker at Burke Street for quite a number of years and decided to step out and, and do something a little bit different. So we met there and Tom became the successive head baker after Paul for Burke Street. So, you know, they're running big kitchens, you know, and multiple sites and quite a number of staff. Um, and from that, you know, the relationship developed to, to do something and with all all due respect to the OGs of you know of that style of bread and pastry in our country yeah, yeah. Um, we felt like we could move perhaps up to the North Coast and focus a little bit more on um, local and organic you know me being from the Byron Shire I knew there was a hole here. Yeah. Um, Is you it, so you
0: went straight into Bread Social from that?
1: We all, Paul and I spent a bit of time at Harvest. We yes, at Harvest for right. a little while yeah. and then um, and then straight into Social. It's
0: reminding me a little bit of the CUB story with the Wood Boys. Totally. You know what I mean? like 100%. You've like the, yeah, the intricacies of a big business. Yeah. And then you've gone, okay, this is how
1: we want to do it. Yeah, in some ways, you know, if I'm honest, I feel like we're maybe going back that way a little bit. You know, we are probably, you know, now stepping into a realm of things that are a little bit, a little bit bigger. There's just under 100 employees. Um, and that scares me That's sometimes. A, yeah,
0: I can imagine why. Um, is um, that's management of people as well, mm. and HR and there's all sorts of things around that. Do you think that, a, oh here, I'm gonna use a pun here, do you think a loaf of bread has to rise to that sort of level?
1: No, uh, look, I mean, again, in the, in, the, in the clutch, the brake and the accelerator, Paul, um, Paul would probably say, and we were, You know, if you're just looking at money, we were probably most profitable when there was 11 employees, we were just at the farm, there's now five sites, um you know so were we most profitable then probably you know we were in the teams every day starting at two o'clock you know i didn't
0: you guys were baking at 2am
1: every day when we first started every day it was just us yeah and then um you know bringing in some more roles around that you know obviously um payroll tax is a bit of a bit of a bit of a knock in the teeth out of nowhere um and so as we sort of got to that level we decided no we're going to push this thing we're going to send it you know we all want that quality of life we've all got young kids and you know young busy lives um and so the idea for us was then that we would Push past that and hopefully create a quality of life for our directors, uh, but also for the staff. You know, for the for the family of the bread social. And I say a family, and I know a lot of people use that, but they are, you know, the majority of those people mm. are close friends, uh, and I consider them family. And mm. so, that um, championing that quality of life. You know, let's let's be honest. You move to Byron Bay, you move to the North Coast to. You know, you might be a great baker, but you're thinking I might do four days a week. I want to work on my music career or my acting, or you know, my art. That that place of healing and creativity certainly maybe, still exists.
0: But maybe it's also grown with the times. So, like, because I live half the time in West End now, and it's cheaper for me to live there yeah. than it is in Northern urban's Yeah. For buying, um, yeah, rent <laughs> and produce and and food and yeah, coffee yep. at half price. um wow. I, I know that's competition based as well because it's more competitive but the rent's cheaper and stuff so that's interesting that a city appears to be a little bit cheaper Mm. in the pocket so we do have to grow our businesses in the Northern Rivers if we want to be a part of that lifestyle whether it's sending kids to school or like everything's become a little bit more expensive so yeah look
1: I think you know the new site at Kurumban certainly love and respect to where we began at the farm. And we'd hope to retain some kind of presence there once the first 10 year lease is up, which is about two years away. I can't um, believe it's been 10 years. It's been 10 years. It goes wow. quick, eh? It's great. Um, but we're really conscious of that change in creating something as big as the Corumban side. It will be big. Um, look, if it was all about money, we'd put a factory in Narang and, and just lay waste to the coastline and we'd be in a bidding war over because five. Because
0: your brand is so strong, right? If, I mean, mm. you could easily do that. But you're way more than that, because that would be full circle going back into like a
1: corporate bakery. 100% and I want to sleep at night, you know, and, enjoy, and be proud of what it is that we're doing. Yeah. You know, and so. Do you
0: think you'd dilute it if you were to do what you just said, get it in a rain warehouse? Do you
1: do I think you'd or? just end up, you know, being a, you start to compromise on ingredients and quality mm-hmm. and you end up, you know, with all respect to some of those larger mm-hmm. bread production companies, Suddenly they're going to sell it for five ninety five, so you got to do it for five ninety three, and you know you're arguing over buybacks and a couple of cents a loaf, and it's not us. We are one of the premium, you know, bread and pastry suppliers in the area. We are not the I cheapest.
0: Actually, say the country.
1: We're you know that's a, that's a big call. There's some big ones
0: out there. Dude, I know that, and I'm not parochial, and you know that I've I've grew up in Melbourne. I've lived in Sydney. I now live in Brisbane. Um, I don't know man, I I, I, I know my bread, um, Thanks, yeah, mate. I really do, uh, you know, I, and I choose not to eat a lot of bread these days but I will always eat your bread, Thanks. and I just, you know, and, and I know my Portuguese tarts mate, I had <laughs> one this morning that wasn't yours, so I don't know, I would say, you know, like you've got some rock stars that have come out of there, like, um, uh, Audrey, who's down in Melbourne now, mm. who's just kicking goals, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and Sars, our mutual friend. These girls are like artists, yeah. and that's something about. I mean, I'm the biggest sweet tooth on the planet, I reckon. Something about when I walk into your 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 um, stores to grab stores, what were they called? Cafes. Yep. Yeah. To grab a, a loaf of bread, I always walk out with a banging, latest sweet tart vibe. Yeah. So you're not just bread. So talk to me about um, the sweet
1: side of your business. sweet side of the business really falls um, largely under Tommy's scope of things Mm -hmm. Um, and he really championed that in the early days and we're lucky enough, um, I'll embarrass the hell out of her by saying, but um, we've got a a young girl by the name of Tyra um, Brickwood, she's a fantastic um, baker in her own right Uh, and her and Tom have just found this really nice synergy around Um, you know, perhaps him not being in the apron so much, but still staying really current in terms of, you know, what might be something we want to explore. Seasonality is obviously a huge thing for us. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, him pushing and prodding and challenging in the right ways and giving her enough autonomy within the kitchen to, um, you know, to focus on doing some new things and doing some R&D on some exciting products. Um, is, is, is great and it keeps the business current, you know, mm. um, we're never going to be one of those businesses that doesn't keep moving, mm. I think if you're not moving you're dying, you know. You did
0: something in the early days and I was like what the hell, how, how has someone never done that before? Mm. And it was like, it might have been SARS behind it as well, a or, or culmination of all, all of you, it was a Cudgeon potato pie.
1: I think that was sars like, yeah. Like
0: a Cudgeon potato pie, right? yeah. it sounds so simple. Yeah. Of course you do a pudging potato pie, mm. wouldn't Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but not everyone's doing that. And we were talking about this this morning that avocado at the moment, smashed avocado mm. on toast is not even coming from the tweet The avocados are getting exported to other areas. Want to know why avocado on toast is $21 in the tweet Yeah. It's because they're exporting it and then bringing it back in, right? Which is part of the system of avocados. Where I am at the moment, luckily enough, the avocado is actually literally coming from right there and it's $14. So it's not, not necessarily everyone's yeah, problem, yeah. but we just couldn't
1: understand. Well, I think that's a failure to move, isn't it? You know, it's a failure to be able to see what's in front of us and focus on do that you like you seasonality. Do that well because you know the land there and you
0: know what's... Normal.
1: If I'm honest, yeah. I mean, we've got a beautiful area mm. for local, like we champion local provenance. There's a, as you well know, there's a, a great um, climate for growing quite a wide, wide range of things mm. here in the, in mm. the, on the north coast. Um, and look, if I'm honest, that, that becomes more challenging as the company gets bigger. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: so what's the method behind um, the growth into Currumbin? Talk to me about what your vision is here.
1: Look, we've always um, prided ourselves on not oversaturating an area. So Byron's always home, you know, we cut our teeth there. There's a lot of love for the Byron Shire and certainly the businesses down there that have supported us for a long time. Um, and we wanted the, the, the property to be down there. We wanted this production facility to be down there. But um, for whatever reason, that didn't eventuate. And I'm kind of happy in hindsight that it didn't because... The universe spoke. The universe did speak, you know. Here, as you know, in Currumbin Waters, we're kind of right on the highway. We can head north, we can head south, watch this space Brisbane. Um, but what it means for us is that we can still keep that ethos around Um, not going everywhere. For example, we've got three suppliers in Mullen, maybe four tops. We'll never have more than that. Unless one drops out, we don't pick up another one. You'll never see us, you know, selling to a cafe on a block and then suddenly we're across the road and around the corner. It just saturates the brand. It's not good for business. And so if we continue to have that attitude towards what we're doing and push further north and into, we're a little bit in the lower part of the Gold Coast with our wholesale, but not huge amount of stuff further north than about where we are now mm-hmm. um, so that will continue and we will push further into those areas but to continue to do it in the way that we have we believe you know keeps giving the brand legs
0: and, and what do you think
1: the response so far has been from the southern gold, the coast? gold coast is like it's where it's at you know we're kind of we're so stoked to be part of the gold coast in that um you know with all respect to some of those councils on the lower um, parts of the coast that we've seen and dealt with Gold Coast has been really progressive. They've been super welcoming. Look, to give you a bit of perspective, um, the site that we're creating uh, here, as you mentioned, just sort of near Dust Temple. Love those guys. Um, obviously, Bolter, we get down there when we can for a knock off on a Friday. Stone Studios just come in. You've got a lot of love for those guys too. Yeah. Um, and so for us to do something here means, um, for, from, the, from the compliance side of things, I guess, like the size of the site is big. The two and a half thousand square meter property with a twelve thousand square meter internal space. Um, the the oven itself, the main oven, seven ton. Um, so we're not we're not mucking around anymore. However, no aiming for hopefully the end of the year or early next. Mm-hmm. We do have obviously a little cafe space takeaway available downstairs. Um, is is going really well. We've been lucky enough to get a a local manager by the name of Sky Um, Harrison here. She's she's done a really great job of of getting the shop set up. Um, And so in dealing, in my initial dealings with local Gold Coast Council, I I find them really progressive.
0: Yeah, and you know, maybe it's age, Sammy, because like, I tried to do shit here 20 years ago, a cultural event. And, mm. and honestly, when I went to the council, they said, we don't, we really have sports events. That yeah. I was looked a little bit like I had two heads at the time, which was interesting because I thought that's what they had. Um, but, you know, like it really was a, there was a stop sign and I just, I'm the sort of person, if you give me a stop sign, I'll go through it and go around the other way. And we got there and we became this incredible festival. But there was a lot of hurdles and I, and I, I feel like Um, Tom Tate, who's the current mayor here, who is an ex-developer, and he is about progress, whether you like him or not, Mm. he does get things through. On our end, on the other side, we have a Greens candidate who is not so much about the DAs. It is disappointing me, and it's my podcast, I can say what I want. Um, Mm. I'm getting more and more disappointed by the amount of DAs that are being knocked back from people that I know are fucking rock stars at what they do, and will provide economic, social, and cultural development to the area. So what's happened on the Gold Coast since I've left, must be me, maybe I need to leave for a bit <laughs> When I left the Gold Coast 12 years ago, I was a little bit, you know, bemused by what was going on. Since then, there's been this like, okay, let's do it. These guys have got a great businessman. Let's mm. get behind them. We're getting resistance across the border. So one of the reasons why I moved to West End was so that I could feel a bit you know, more progressive in my own personal life. So it's really nice to see the sophistication of the Gold Coast City Council and what it's allowing and nurturing
1: to grow. And look, I think, you know, we're not going to be the only ones. There's a few big cards to fall on the lower part of the coast that are perhaps heading this way based on the fact that, you know, they can. And these are conscious businesses that are wanting to tie to a community, put down roots. These aren't people that are just wanting to take, 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 you know, and, and I think um, disappointing if they haven't been able to execute that in other councils, but you know Too slow that's a go, that's, that's a win for the Gold Coast.
0: Too slow to go, and you know I've given up on the Tweet Shire Council at this point in time. I still am a ratepayer, so I'm concerned about when the money's going, but yeah. at this point in time it's a massive hiatus for me. Um, I'm really happy to be working on a magazine that's launching here called La Calle. It's actually called Lakale but the log in me says Lakale, Lakale magazine <laughs> on the Gold Coast, you know, and then I go, Oh, there's some of my mates, like Stone Studio, Bread Social, you know, Dust Temple, Swell Sculpture, all of those things are coming together in this in this wonderful magazine as well. And I think today we're gonna to finish with two things which I didn't warn you about because you're such a man that thinks on his feet. What, what, not what, where and who inspires you. So I want a person and a place, and it can be Mother Earth
1: and the ocean Ooh, i mean it does it sounds so i it
0: sounds think what's it is it actually read
1: this this week and is it a is it a it i'm gonna get this wrong thylophasis or something a lover of the ocean I, i'm sure oh, no, i've got that really wrong nice. whatever it is it's it a, right. it's something like that that's th- 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 thos- Whatever it is, you'll
0: you'll all go and Google
1: it now, something like that. Anyways, I have always had that connection with the ocean. I will always have that. And I think at times in my life, um, you know, we touched on this earlier, talking about mental health, but um, I had a bit of a rough time early in the year and it was partly because I wasn't giving myself, allowing myself the time to to be in the ocean, be around the ocean. So certainly I would say that as far as inspiration goes... um, a single person that gives me inspiration. Yeah, that's a tough one, you the know, like, people, I
0: guess.
1: look, there's a, I, you know, and again, um, it's it's the community here and, and specific to our industry, you know, and again, I know that sounds like a little bit of crowd no. pleasing, um, I but I feel so. really supported by my community. I feel really supported specifically. We feel really supported by our, our hospitality community at times. You know, doing this massive build, where we're we're shit scared. You know, we are scared of what that might look like, and you know, if if the whole thing falls over, there's a lot of people depending on us right now. But more than ever, even other people that are you know like-minded businesses, you know, they're opening their doors. You, you know, you've got Pixel, Burley, Bake, Burley Baker. You know, they they've been super warm to us coming wow. to the community you know, to the point they're like, come and have a look at this bit of equipment or that, you know, and that to us speaks volumes. Um, so at the risk of throwing a bit of a cop out, I'm saying the, lo- the local hospitality
0: community. I think it's a really good answer, Sammy. And I'm glad that you mentioned mental health because um, you're an advocate of men's mental health communication um, because of who you are, but you're also that guy that wants to make sure that everyone's okay. But you also made sure you are okay and, you know, went and. and- went to a men's group that you needed to Mm. you know you wanted to feel a part of and you made sure you're okay and um i just think that's really inspirational i've written more about that in the story in the Harley magazine but yeah as a bloke you're, you're you're a bloody good bloke mate
1: yeah thanks mate appreciate it i think it's a tough one um for a lot of men keep talking to the brothers you know i think Um, a lot of men don't and I won't delve too much deeply into that group as we discussed you'll have to read it in the magazine however um, we're not great at labeling our feelings and so often amongst your men if you can give them a few catchphrases I'm feeling jealousy I'm feeling shame I'm feeling joy I'm feeling anger you know and that leads into a deeper conversation which might be A catch up over a lemon lime and bitters on a friday afternoon or a beer or whatever takes your fancy um, it starts to prompt a conversation that you can build on with your mates and um, a, a lot of those men out there at the moment i know are really struggling and certainly there's there's you know it sits on both sides of the sexes we're just talking specifically about men at the moment i've got a lot of men that are really really struggling with the weight of family and business and what we're meant to be as men. Who are we meant to be and, and, and feeling comfortable around being challenged around the patriarchy and, and that inequality that has been for so long. There's, there are plenty of men out there that acknowledge it and we're just kind of looking for a bit of prompting and camaraderie amongst the, amongst the others.
0: I love that, it was such a solid thing to say. Like, are you feeling jealousy? Are you feeling, like ask the question. Mm. Women are so good at telling you how they feel yeah <laughs> generally speaking yeah. whereas maybe men don't even know what that means to feel that but if you ask the question then they can answer well it. i think there's
1: been a lot of change you know and the, i grew up in an age where you know it was buck up solve problems with your fists don't show emotion you know and um within the course of a generation or two like we're pretty simple creatures you mm-hmm. know men we want love we do want affection mm-hmm. you know and a lot i reckon of this...
0: women are really complicated do you think Man, I'm a woman. Yeah. But I reckon, I reckon. Okay, complicated's is probably strong. We're layered, and we, you know, we have the ability to do a lot of things at the same time. Mm, yeah, I'm not there's a
1: multitasker. A, there's
0: a, you know, there's a biology behind it, but it does come with a, a set of complication and exhaustion as well. Just so you know, we're not doing that well either, mate. <laughs> 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 Thanks, Sammy Legend. Adios. My pleasure.